We here at God Stories Radio are reaching out to you and your business to sponsor us for as little as $10 a month. We need you so that we can continue bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. By your business blessing us monthly, we are able to bless others weekly. To sponsor us, email GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And you don't have to be a business to be a blessing. Visit GodStoriesRadio.com to donate securely through PayPal. Just press the button. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Welcome, everyone, to God Stories Radio. This is session 188. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. What's going on, guys? Thursday night. Thursday night. Thursday night. Feels like forever since we last were here. I know. It's been two weeks. Two weeks. Bummed out. How was everybody's Christmas? It was good. Yeah? Pretty good. Yeah. Who got the carrot cake? (laughs) I almost made one. Almost. I know you did. Almost. I felt it in my spirit. I made the brownies instead. Oh. Who got the brownies? Work. Work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're deserving of them. Yeah, they sure are. You guys work hard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what else has been going on, Mikey? Oh, riding a wave. All right. No, I, 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 I you know, I got, um, I have a, um, the youngest, my youngest daughter has been, uh, I don't know the word you want to say, kind of uh, separated herself from me. And uh, I got a Christmas card in the mail on Christmas Eve that had uh, a picture of my three grandsons and Mm. one of them with a snowman. And I was just jacked Mm. for the rest of that day and into uh, Christmas. So just waiting for the the initial voice contact. We'll see. It's going to happen, buddy. I know yeah. it is. I know it really it is. is. I know it is. God's just going to show up and show off. So how are you feeling? I'm doing better. I was, uh, for those of you that didn't know, we had to cancel last week's program because of me. I ended up in the hospital with uh, colitis. And I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I uh, I thought I was going to die. I never felt pain like that before. I cried like a baby in the emergency room. Wow. I really did. 
I think you did quite well considering the amount of pain that you were in. So, you know, we're just glad that you're better, that you're healing. Well, I was very fortunate to have a, a lovely wife by my side the whole time. Thank and you so much, babe. Nurtured you through it. <laughs> nurtured. She's a good nurturer. <laughs> she tried to get me to go to the hospital the night it happened. And I thought, well, I don't know. I think I got a little food poisoning because, you know, I was mixing sound at the church and I was okay. And then about eight o'clock, I, I got the worst abdominal cramps I've ever felt in my life. And I figured, oh, you know, I just go to the bathroom. It'll pass. That's what happened before. And I never came out of the bathroom, scared everybody to death. Went home. By the time I was shaking uncontrollably in my car on the way home. And Tina wasn't home when I got here. So I called her and, you know, the phone's like this, you know, shaking. And I had myself bundled up on the bed. She tried to get me to go to the hospital then. And I said, no, it'll pass. Boy, I should have listened. <laughs> well, I woke up the next morning. I was a sick pup. I'm not going to lie. That was some bleeding and from every orifice in my body just about. It seemed like I was scared. Yeah, it was I really scary. I'm not going to lie. I was t petrified. But shout out to South Lake Hospital um, and Amen their ER crew because they're awesome in there. You know, I probably saw Junior and uh, I didn't realize who he was. Yeah. So, Junior, if you're listening, thanks for taking good care of me. Yeah, everybody at South Lake Hospital, you guys do an amazing job. Yes, they do. It's not our first visit in there. No, and... we're frequent flyers. <laughs> <laughs> and every time, they always, you know, do a fantastic job. They so. do. They always rise to the occasion and take good care of us. And it was the right diagnoses. And yep, here I am a week later. Yep. Praise the Lord. Yep. A week later. Yeah. Weak is the operative word, but <laughs> I'm here, I should say. How about you, babe? How was Christmas? Christmas was great. Christmas was grand. Uh, so my mom came over and spent Christmas with us. Yes, she did. And uh, so we all had a nice time together. So Wonderful. Yep. Fantastic. Have we got any shout outs today? We do. We have two Facebook likes. All right. So we want to say thank you to Jay Orr. Jay Orr goes to church with me, plays bass. Okay. Guy's uh, so smart. Wow. Well, thanks, Jay. Yeah, thanks amazing guy. Love that guy. And then we also want to say thank you to Robert Hem. Robert Hem. Thank you, Robert. We appreciate that. Thank, thank you, you so like much. Us. Welcome to the GSR family. Yes. And anybody else out there, if they have not liked us yet on Facebook, please do so, so we can continue to give these shout outs. Yeah, Mike doesn't like to run low on the sh Facebook likes, guys. So no, two <laughs> you got to start liking us. Yeah, really. These, <laughs> I had to write down these two this morning and oh. <laughs> Were you a little nervous? There's only two. I know, there's only two. I, I got to keep, uh, keep track of the new Mixler likes because we've had some new Mixler subscribers and oh. we've had some new YouTube subscribers yeah let's give them a shout out yeah. too i know i need to do that so uh if you have subscribed via youtube uh recently or mixler i'm going to give you a shout out but it'll be next week <laughs> so i can go in there and write your name down and do it properly but when i was when i was doing the facebook likes i was hoping that there was going to be a new country or something but there was not that's okay that's okay it is i hope everybody had a very merry christmas amen to that it's wonderful Amen. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He's Thank the you. reason for the season. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Who is our guest tonight? 
Well, our guest tonight is actually, um, I feel like this has all been sort of orchestrated by God, but I mean, every time we have a guest, it's orchestrated by God. Um, but a little uh, more so orchestrated, I feel, in this particular instance, because I was just on Facebook messing around, and somehow I ended up on your Facebook page. And somehow. Yeah, somehow. Coincidence, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Facebook page was Mission 823. And I started just reading a little bit about it. And I'm like, these pre people are pretty awesome. I wonder if they'd consider giving their testimony and talking a little bit about their mission on God Stories Radio. So I, you know, instant messaged and Sean reached back out to me and we scheduled a call to discuss. Um, you know, whether or not they'd be interested in uh, giving their testimony. And sure enough, he said, he said, yes, and we're just so delighted. So I'm really happy to uh, introduce Mr. Sean Sullivan. He's the president and CEO of Mission 823. He's going to tell us a little bit about his Christian testimony and also a little bit about what he does. So with no further ado, Here's Sean Sullivan. Hey, Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean. Good to be here. I appreciate the it's invite. It's good to be here. Man, that's some fine looking swag, too. I, I like that shirt. I yeah. know. My wife dresses me. <laughs> <laughs> I could make comment, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Certain parties in the room, you know. Well, she's been dressing me for 34 years. and so, Hallelujah. Yeah, I met my wife right here in Orlando. I was in the Navy and uh, down here for nuclear power training at the at the base in Orlando, and uh, met my wife on church visitation, right? Uh, right so there in Orlando. when they call you, I mean, nuclear power training, is that what you said? Yeah, there used to be, before they closed the base over there, there was a, 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 a nuclear power plant training center. So they studied oh. nuclear physics and nuclear math. And So are you like a rocket science? Well, <laughs> um, after I got out of the Navy, I worked for Lockheed Space Operations under, uh -huh. under NASA. So I was on the space shuttle program for about four years. So you are. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I was just an electrician, but I bumped my head on the space shuttle once. So. Oh, okay. I, I just watched a documentary the other the other night about Lockheed. That's pretty cool. Yeah. About the, the Blackbird and, the, and their... Uh, secretive uh operative department I, I forget what they call it but uh i can't remember what it was but uh, i won't take any of your time but i just i think that's really cool that yeah it is. we've had an unusual um unusual life i i love the name of your uh, podcast uh, god stories i i think about my testimony like that um mm -hmm. and see how god has drawn me to follow him further and further at different stages of my life. And so I have these steps of God's story in my life that, uh, that have really shaped everything that I am and everything that we are doing right now. Uh, and so I, I really enjoyed. Amen to that. Yeah. He's never, never done writing our story. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think that's a hundred percent right. When you say, he takes you a little further and deeper when you can mm. handle it. You know, it's sort of like when we're those baby Christians, we can't handle everything all at one time, but he just knows the right things to start taking us through. He does, and and everybody responds to him in a little bit different way. Um, and some somebody listening might might be able to relate to my 
personal experience. You know, there are different personality types and different response types. And so God has to deal with, you know, several different categories of people to mm-hmm. <laughs> convince them to follow him. And um, so for me, since the day that I first understood that I needed God, my journey, my God story has always been this crisis of faith where I get to the point where I say, sometimes, several times, actually, out loud, I can't do that. And and then in my spirit, I feel God saying, perfect, you're ready. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, now you can follow me. And so, from the time I was eight years old, when God spoke to me and convinced me that I needed him in my life, not just to rescue me, but I needed him to change me and make me what he wanted me to be because I understood that I had a purpose for the first time in my life. And every stage of my life and ministry since then, has uh, I've been able to move forward uh, because I come to this crisis point where I realize whatever it is, this thing that God's calling me to do. When I was, when I was in the Navy in, uh, in Chicago area, I felt God calling me to enter into full-time vocational ministry. And you have to understand when at that point in my life at 18 years old, uh, I was very, very shy, very backwards. Right now I'm looking at the people in, in the studio and I'm looking you in the eye and I'm telling this story. Back when I was 18 years old, I would have been looking at the floor and shuffling my feet. I couldn't even have a normal conversation. I was so backwards. That's what they call an introvert. I was an uber, (laughs) uber introvert and just couldn't even have a conversation. So, you can imagine my terror when I knew in my spirit that God was speaking directly to me and saying, I want you to handle the word of God. That's weighty enough, but you have to do that in front of large crowds of people. And so, I was terrified. Mm -hmm. And I, I literally remember saying to God, I think you've made your first mistake. <laughs> and I know, of course, that's not possible, but that's, that's how I felt. That's how impossible it seemed to me. And I just told him, I can't do that. He said, perfect. You're ready. Just follow me. Well, Sean, take us back. I'm sorry. What you were going to say, what you had said before, you know, about different steps and pl- places and in, in, I'm in a... a I know he's called me to do something. I have an idea what it is, and I want to. I got my foot already poised, ready to go, and you know, let's. And I got the words a few weeks ago. I believe I got the words a few weeks ago. And he said, "You're not ready." Hmm. Sometimes that happens. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, perfectly related to to my story, when I knew. 100% that God was calling me to enter into full-time ministry versus secular ministry. A lot of people try to separate or compartmentalize the secular work from the ministry work when in actuality it's all ministry. God mm-hmm. has given to all of us the ministry of reconciliation. Amen to that. And so, um, I was at a point where, you know, God was was calling me and I knew for certain that I just – I just wasn't ready. Uh, And he said, good, that's perfect. We've got some time to work on this because I had six years to finish my my Navy contracts. Matter of fact, the Navy during the Cold War 
uh, operating on submarines actually extended my enlistment because of the needs of the Navy, um, you know, because of the operations we were doing. And so they they extended my enlistment even longer than than I had anticipated. And I was chomping at the bit to go do what God wanted me to do, but I wasn't able to be what he wanted me to be before I started working. And so sometimes it takes uh, time and God's refinement, but he puts a fire in your heart that never goes out. Mm -hmm. And that's how you know it's a calling, is that when it's something that you feel like you must do and nothing can distract that passion from your heart, you know, no circumstance or, or hardship or um, distraction can shake that calling that you know you must go and do. Um, so sometimes it just takes time. Well, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Sean. Like, start from the beginning. Where were your parents from? Where were you born? Yeah. Just kind of take us down the journey. Well, I'm I'm a Louisiana boy. We're uh, my family's all crazy Cajun Irish people, um, and so. Uh, I was raised in Lake Charles area, Sulphur, Louisiana. My mom and dad still live there in Sulphur, and my uh, my grandmother uh, still lives there uh, by herself in her own house. My mom and dad live next door, but she's she's ninety seven years old, oh. and she's still you know making wow. making gumbo. <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh man, I bet it's good, boy. Oh boy, it is. <laughs> so we grew up eating all kinds of not just Cajun food, but all kinds of weird things frogs and turtles and rabbits and you know just kind of a country boy crawfish um, yeah oh yeah and by the buckets mm -hmm. um my my son uh calls me a redneck i don't <laughs> i don't know exactly what that means i just know that a country boy can survive um but i i wasn't born in louisiana i was born in bangor maine oh okay yeah. um on the air force base there in in maine my dad Served in the Navy first uh, for a number of years uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and then uh, got finished with his enlistment in the Navy and joined the Air Force and was an electronics technician in the Air Force, working on fighter jets. Uh, and so I was born in in Maine, and uh, my father was, was born in Lewiston, Maine. Oh yeah, yep. yeah, it's a beautiful country. It is. So uh, moved back to where our our family is all from my grandmother. My grandfather lived in Louisiana, so that's kind of where we got our start. And then my dad was uh, a consultant for nuclear power. He was an engineer uh, for nuclear power when they were building all of these nuclear power stations in the late 70s and early 80s. And so we traveled all over the country. And I just, from the time I was about eight years old, became a, a gypsy vagabond. We, we were just... <laughs> shuffled all over the country and there's pros and cons to that the 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 pro to that is that we get to experience more things in just a few short years than most people will in three lifetimes um and so that was terrific the bad part was because we we disconnected so frequently i kind of became this introvert that you were talking about um and and became really self-defensive you know kind of in 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 turned inside and it was difficult for me to to build relationships uh, because of that because i was protecting myself from getting heartbroken again right well um, i know what introvert is because i was one of the biggest ones there was so. yeah yeah so we moved all over the country and um i finally graduated from high school in san clemente california and uh my folks decided they'd had enough traveling. They moved back to Louisiana and settled there next to my grandmother. 
and I tried to stick it out, you know, in Ukraine, in, uh, in California all by myself. And I ended up getting kicked out of my apartment and I was living in the back of my Chevy Impala. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I decided this this is way too hungry. So, <laughs> so uh, I had an Impala. Yeah, well, the back seat's ba- pretty big. Yeah, oh, it, it is. is. I, mean, I was yeah. going to say it's a it's like a truck sleeper. Yeah, the big four hundred um, engine in the back go. seat. You could stretch your legs out and not touch the seats in front. And uh, but it certainly wasn't good good living conditions for no. long. And so no, I packed up everything I had and uh, filled my tank up with the last bit of money that I had and uh, made it as far as Oklahoma before I ran out of everything. And so I worked the summer with my grandfather at a liquor store there in Northern Oklahoma and then worked at a farm co-op. I was cleaning the grain elevators in the, you know, the bottom of the grain elevators. I don't know if you've ever smelled a grain elevator, but it's, it's kind of like um, the prodigal son, you know, slopping mm. the pigs. <laughs> it was a rough oh, situation. Boy. <laughs> So uh, finally made it back to Louisiana and joined the Navy, and, and that's where I started my my Navy time. Wow. <laughs> what a life. Yeah, it was pretty weird. <laughs> so what year were you in California? Um, I would say 81 to 83-ish, something like that. Okay, I'm a California girl, so oh, that's you? why I was asking. Yeah, yeah. Southern California? Uh, actually, Northern California, yeah. yeah. So I was, I basically moved to San Jose, California back in 1978 and was there up until about 2001. Yeah. So very good. Never moved from San Jose. <laughs> yeah. We were in, in uh, San Clemente and, and we used to boogie board and, and play in the ocean out there by San Onofre Nuclear Power Station because the water was warm. Right. Yeah. Wow. So. Good times, good days. So, where does Jesus come in? Well, I was uh, I was saved when I was eight years old. I received okay. Christ as my Savior when I was uh, when I was very young, and I knew without a shadow of a doubt that that I needed God and that Jesus was uh, the person to get me to Him. Right, Jesus is God, but He brought me to Himself at a um, evangelistic crusade. My dad, uh, my my grandmother had always kept us in church, but I was kind of at the stage of life where I'm, you know, when the pastor's giving the message, I'm looking at the hymnals and playing with gum wrappers and stuff, so I wasn't really plugged in. But my dad took us to this evangelistic crusade, and it was a different environment, and the music was really good. I remember to this day, there's a a trio of sisters, the Mahoney sisters, were singing a song. Um, If Jesus said it, I believe it, his word cannot lie. It's written in the Bible, I believe it till I die. I remember that since I was eight years old. (laughs) And um, there was a group there, a rock group, Christian rock, called Transition. And I remember the words of the gospel in that music. And then the pastor or the, the, the evangelist spoke and, and I understood my need for God and responded to that. So I went down and, and trusted Christ and have been walking with him flawed, but walking oh, yeah. with him yeah. um, ever since. <clears throat> and then felt a calling for, for ministry right. when I was 18. And you're, well, the 18, 19, 20-year-old, most of them kind of like walk away a little bit. Yeah. 
No. Well, I I kind of um, at that stage of my life, I kind of doubled down on my relationship. My my breakaway, my prodigal period was a little earlier um, than that when I was in my uh, early teens. Uh, had some you know teenage boy nonsense going on in in my life, and I just I just ignored God. He was always there, and I knew He was there, but I just dismissed Him for a few years, mm-hmm. and um, and got myself in some trouble, you know. But thank God for His grace and His patience. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the time I came back around at eighteen and nineteen years old, I was I was plugged in. When I was deployed with the Navy. Uh, I became the boat chaplain for the USS Barbell submarine that I was on. Uh, and so I was the boat uh, lay chaplain uh, for our boat and kind of a spiritual uh, spiritual guide. Uh, I needed at, guidance even, myself, even but I was, they made me a spiritual guide. Yeah. At that age, that's pretty. Well, I, I knew for sure that I was supposed to be following God with my life. Right. And so I, I just plugged in. Yeah. Okay. So, Showed a lot of grace. God did. Right. You know. Well, I, be- I believe that if a person really and truly gives their heart to Jesus and they do walk away, the Holy Spirit will bring them back around. It's difficult to ignore the voice of God. It, it may be muffled. It may be small. It may be quiet. But the voice of God is unmistakable. Mm-hmm in a person's life it's funny how you can look back too um as you get older and you can look back in your life and 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 recall where you did hear the still small voice and you can recall having contemplating the decision that you were about to make yeah absolutely and 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 people have the ability to ignore or brush off god's voice but there's no mistaking whose voice it is. And that so it's, is the truth. It's a, it's a really uh, intentional situation when, when somebody does that. They know who they're ignoring. They know who they're brushing off. Uh, we were made by God for God's purposes. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why we're here. And the Bible tells us that we all have the knowledge and the understanding of God in our spirits because we're made by him or created by him. We have his fingerprint all over us. And so I've met a lot of people that said, I'm an atheist, but I've never met a true atheist. Because if somebody is willing to do two things, if if they will continue to engage in conversation with you, and if they'll be intellectually honest when you press them, if you can get somebody to do those two things without flying off the handle or getting angry or calling you names, they can have a real conversation. What they'll admit is, okay, I'm, I'm not actually an atheist. I'm just really mad at God. Mm-hmm. And that's every time I've come across somebody that says I'm an atheist, I don't believe that a God exists. What we really discover is that they're really just angry at life circumstances mm-hmm. and they're blaming God for it because that's what somebody else told them to do. But when you allow God to speak to you, then you can understand that, you know, he really does care about you. He's not this mean ogre that everybody portrays him out to be. Yeah, we know who that somebody else is, that's for sure. Yeah, that's the truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you feel the, I mean, you mentioned a little bit that you were, you knew you were going to be missions bound, but when did that really start to take shape for you? Well, I I never anticipated missions in an international sense. Um, I've kind of gone through this, 
evolution of a definition of of missions um, to to the point where where now I tell people that there's a lot of confusion about the word missions because most of the time people associate that with um, cross cultural ministry abroad, something mm-hmm. overseas in a foreign context, but really biblical missions is introducing people to God wherever you are, Mm -hmm. because we're all called to ministry, and ministry is people, and people are the same everywhere you go. So, missions is really just introducing people to God wherever God has placed you. Um, And so, to try to separate this vocational thing and say that the pastor is the minister, the missionary is the minister, the evangelist is the minister, is really a biblical perversion. That's not what Christ followers uh, are defined by, not by their vocation. Uh, you're defined by your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. He's made you a son. He's made you an ambassador. He's made you a king and a priest, a representative of the grace and the kingdom of God. Um, and so, we've all been given this ministry of reconciliation. But missions as a vocation, uh, for, for me, didn't come till till much later. When when I was working at, at Lockheed, we, I had a, had a great job there working on the, on the launch pads for the last uh, two years that I was there. And then I was a crane operator in training right before I got laid off. But my pastor, I'd been serving at our church. My wife and I uh, had been serving at our church for about uh, two years uh, at a little church in Orlando. And the, the pastor called us to go to dinner with him one night and said, Sean, would you consider, now you have to understand at this point, remember 10 years prior, because six years of Navy and four years of Lockheed, 10 years prior, God called me to enter into vocational ministry. And I hadn't had that opportunity. I was working 100 hours a week, driving from Ocoee all the way over to Titusville, you know, with no air conditioning and a standard shift Nissan pickup truck. And I had no time or energy for seminary or Bible education. You know, the things I knew that I needed to do to prepare for for ministry. I was really frustrated. Uh, and, And I told God, listen, this calling thing, you have to either make it happen or you have to take it away. Because I can't stand this anymore. I'm going Mm -hmm. insane because I know where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, at that stage in my life, we'd been serving. I was deacon at the church. We're serving in children's ministry. And the pastor asked us to go to dinner and said, Sean, would you consider coming on staff as the associate and uh, and then helping us with the children's ministry at, at the church? And I said, let me pray about it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Because I've been praying for 10 years. Right. So, at that point, I thought… Man, all of my dreams have come true. We bought our first little house. I had two little redheaded kids running around the house. <laughs> I've got this ministry job that I've been praying for for years. Everybody loved us. We loved the church family. It was a dream come true. A poor man's dream come true, but we, I mean, we were happy, happier than we had ever been. And so we served like that for two years. And right at the last six months of that two-year period where, where I first served at the church, I really felt this impression coming on me again like I did when I felt like God was moving me to vocational ministry in the first place, that God wanted me to do something with missions. And our little church had had missions conferences. I'd met missionaries and all these. So I was kind of vaguely familiar with the concept, and I'd lived all over the world 
and come back again several times. So I, I'd been overseas, so I was familiar with that aspect of it. I just didn't know what he wanted me to do in regards to that. So six months of wrestling with God, crying in my office when nobody's looking and all this kind of stuff, trying to figure out what God wants me to do. And a good friend of mine walks up to me, he was a used car salesman, a godly man, a Bible teacher at our church, walked up to me and said, hey, Sean, I'm, I'm fixing to take a short-term mission trip to Ukraine. Do you want to go? And I said, yes, where's that? <laughs> so I, di I didn't care where it was at that point i just knew missions is i can't get away from this thing i can't shake it and this guy's invited me to go on a mission trip i lived all over the world and all over the country been to canada mexico and all over asia B but i'd never been to europe and there's this missions thing attached to it so why not we'll just see what it's all about boy i got to ukraine we did a, a 21 day trip to ukraine and delivered humanitarian medical supplies to the hospitals around Chernobyl um, and did some um, evangelism and some work with churches while we were there. You know, it was a short kind of a survey, survey trip. And in the middle of all of that, I just broke. I understood without any doubt whatsoever that God wanted me to come back and 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 work and live maybe not permanently but he definitely wanted me to move to ukraine for a period of time and so that's a scary thought to come back and tell your wife mm -hmm. you know we're in the happiest moment of our life we got this little house great job beautiful kids and we're going to move to eastern europe <laughs> so being the beautiful and loving and supportive patient wife that she is she said are you sure? <laughs> and I say, yeah, baby, I am. I'm absolutely certain I must go do this. She said, let's go. And so we prepared our lives, got my Bible degree uh, at Arlington Baptist University in, uh, in Texas. And then we were approved as missionaries and went to the field and lived, lived and worked in Ukraine for six years before returning back to the States for bigger things. Wow. That was a coincidence though, right? Yeah, all coincidence. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you put it all you put it all on the line yeah. at that point. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It was a big risk yeah. um for for all of us. I don't think I you know, I was so convinced that it was what I was supposed to do. I don't think I really took stock of the risk that we were taking mm -hmm. or of the sacrifice that we were being asked to make. And I don't look back at it as any of those things, really. It was just what we were supposed to do. Right. But I tried to, <laughs> as much as possible, put myself in my wife's shoes and see through her eyes. And I have to tell you something. For for 30 It'll be 34 years this February that we're married. And my wife has done this kind of crazy stuff without any more than, are you sure? For all of those 30 plus years, what a godly, precious woman. I well, love her. She's been my watching you. Boy, all amen these to years. that. <laughs> right. Amen. She's been watching all these years follow. Follow the Lord, so that's probably why it was. Well, I think she's easy. been watching Jesus and, and yeah. yeah, there <laughs> and you go, putting up with me. <laughs> <laughs> but that they just gotta shows be watching you Jesus to put up with us. Absolutely, that just shows you. You weren't supposed to say that. That <laughs> 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 just shows you what a godly woman she is, Amen. because she's her eyes are definitely fixed on Him, and she knows 
from watching you that your eyes are fixed on him too, mm-hmm. and that she can trust that relationship. Yeah. Amen and, to that. And I love my sweet wife. I tell you, I've, I've still got a little Bible that she gave me. When we were just dating, um, I hadn't even uh, proposed at this point. We were just dating. She gave me a, a Bible, and in the front cover, she wrote a long, flowery thing, most of which I can't talk about. <laughs> but no, it was in long a Bible. Long, flowery so thing. I like that. It couldn't That's be that great, bad. It was in the cover of my great Bible. explanation. Uh, but it was lovey-dovey sort of a thing. Yeah. And then right in the middle of all of this, the heart of this whole uh, discussion was – Let's keep in our relationship. We knew we were going somewhere relationally. We were going to be together. And she said, in our relationship, let's keep the word of God at the center of everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And she is a Bible lover. She is a praying woman. She's so quiet and meek and humble and hardworking. I just love my wife. She's she's a great, great gift from God. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have found a good thing. I have. <laughs> I must concur. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm still I, waiting. <clears throat> yeah, we need to be in prayer for Mikey. We do. Not, you know, odd man out or anything like that. No. But, you know, okay. there is a blessing in singleness also. Yes, yes there, there is. is. Yeah. There's there freedom is. there. And, and I've tried. Trust me. I've tried to be like Paul. But it's not in me. I've tried. And I've tried. That's, that's okay. a rare that's a rare a rare gift, brother. It is. Yeah. It's I've tried to put it away and, yeah. and, and I've even asked, okay, if it's yeah. not, then just then let's go. And I just can't go there. Yeah. It only lasts for a couple of days and that's it. Yeah. Well, God has somebody for you. Oh, I know a he does. I know he does. He, does. Yeah. he absolutely he does. does. I know he does. She's gonna be cool too. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably gonna play drums or something. Awesome. <laughs> uh, She's gonna be in radio. Well, that's a possibility, but I hope there's other things too, you know. Yeah. Well, there'll be other things. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Comes with a package, Mikey. (laughs) 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 If God blesses you Uh, with it, it'll be good. I guarantee you. And this present season is is where it makes it tough because, you know, you want to kind of share the experience. Mm. And, you know, I spent Christmas Day by myself. Mm. And That's your own fault. I invited you over here. Well, I had that Christmas card. Some good cake. I had that Christmas card. Rib roast. <laughs> I did have a ribeye steak. I did. Oh, did you? A nice ribeye steak. I did. Yeah, we uh, we spared no expense this year. We got the green wise. Uh huh. Yeah. And I did get that roast that uh, had them cut in three pieces. Oh, there you go. They're about a pound and a half. Each. I remember what you said, and I split mine just like that. Mm-hmm. Sure did. And they're in the freezer as wow, we speak. I'm hungry now. Me too. <laughs> Let's go. Better left over. <laughs> uh, you guys, I swear. Glad you could make it, Sean. Let's, you let's get go eat. Oh. Guys together, they will definitely turn the conversation to food. It doesn't well, that's matter. True. <laughs> well, you know, when I was growing up, you know, we always, uh, anybody ever asked us directions, it was always by, you know, well, you go down there to the Burger King, you turn left, you see a Dairy Queen on the right, and then you make a right-hand turn, you go down there to McDonald's, make a left until you get to the Kentucky Fried Chicken, and you just go straight through that light, and you're right That's there. That's it. Right. I, I can't do this anymore. Okay, so <laughs> next week on God's Stores Radio. <laughs> Sean, your family, buddy. I'll tell you, he fits right in. Yes, he, he does. does. <laughs> He's going to be a regular. Oh, yeah. He's local. Yes, he is. So that means we can pick on him. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's fine with me. I'm yeah. having fun. He can uh, promote shamelessly here on God's well, Stories Radio. Speaking of which, 
Yeah, it's that time. It is that time. Shameless plug. Shameless, shameless plug. plug. Yes, sir. Well, before he does his shameless plug, I want to find question? out more. Okay, because My wife would like to interrogate. Yes, I would. Can you um, turn those bright lights off, please? <laughs> <laughs> you said you worked for six years in the Ukraine, yes. right? Uh-huh. And so, obviously, I know you go back all the time. I do. Yeah. So, how long has it been since that six-year period? Uh, we've been here in Florida for uh, for five years. Okay. Yeah. So, what has the last five years looked like for you guys? Um, I was working with an organization out of Texas. Uh, They had come alongside us when I was still on the field with my family. They saw our work with orphan children and then kind of joined us and began to support us. And then when I came back to the States to do some missionary recruiting, um, they actually recruited me to become Mm -hmm. the Eastern European director for the organization. So we lived in Texas for about uh, five years and then uh, moved back to Orlando area because my job can be completed from anywhere in the world, you know, with a, with a computer and a telephone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the airport to get to Eastern Europe is 1,200 miles closer when you leave from Orlando instead of Dallas-Fort Worth. Right. And so being close, close to family, again, we had been away for, from Florida for close to 18 years. Mm-hmm. And um, my wife really wanted to spend more time closer to her family. My family's all in Louisiana, but her family's here in Florida. Mm-hmm. And so we moved back to Florida about five years ago, lived in Groveland uh, for a couple of years, and then bought a home here. In, I knew in you Florida. had an accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Groveland. Oh, Groveland, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was temporary. <laughs> uh, yeah. Huh? Wow. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about the work that you do with the orphans there. Okay. Well, when when we lived on the field, my primary purpose when I initially went over was uh, church help. We were helping pastors and helping local churches to grow and to start new churches. But along the way, um, God showed me the situation with the children of Ukraine that came from the old crumbling orphanage systems of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. A lady called me one day and, and asked me if I would drive her to the graduation ceremony for an orphanage in northern Ukraine, almost in Belarus. Mm-hmm. And and that phrase kind of stumped me. I didn't know what to do with orphans graduating. That didn't make sense to mm-hmm. me. And so, I'd never thought about the fact, you know, when you when you talk about orphans, unless you're in the foster care you know world or something like that, you really don't talk about orphans that much here in the states. And so, my concept was always orphans live in an orphanage that's temporary. They get a family and they go home. But what I had never thought about before was there are millions upon millions of children who live their entire lives in a state-run or a private mm-hmm. institution of some kind under less than optimal conditions, and they spend their whole lives there, mm-hmm. and they never know what mom is, right. what dad is, and they certainly don't know how to create a healthy family after they leave that situation. They're in self-defense mode 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, graduation would be, they, they turn like 18 or 19 probably. And 
maybe well, even younger. In the states, that is the the legal adult age, and it is in Ukraine as well. But they don't have funding to continue to support the kids past sixteen. Whoa. And so the day that we went for graduation day, you know, in the states, graduation is like the best day of the rest of your life, you know, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. There. It's the end of your life. You're basically walking out into the street with no family, no support, and no systems like like we have here in the States. We have welfare systems. We have child custody, child care systems and services and, and funding and things like that, where we have a support system to integrate those children and help them to at least move on to success. Even if they don't really understand what family looks like, at least they have systems to help them to survive. Mm-hmm. In Ukraine, they age out of the system at uh, after ninth grade. So sometimes they're 15 years old or 16 years old. Uh, there's a young man that is living in one of our uh, homes in Ukraine right now. His name is Artyom, and he left the orphanage. He was kicked out by the director at 15 because he had completed ninth grade. Uh, so these kids age out of the system at 15 or 16 years old. They go directly to the street and they're completely vulnerable to all of the elements and then all of the bad uh, actors that that are on the street. And so my first impression when I met these 150 kids at a little orphanage called uh, Komarivka in Ukrainian, it means mosquito town. (laughs) (laughs) It would be a good town in Florida. Um, I I can't imagine there would be mosquitoes there. Oh, you wouldn't believe them. Unbelievable. Really? Oh, they're huge. They'll eat you alive. So in this little orphanage, about 150 kids, and I started asking them questions. You know, where are you from? How did you get here? What's life like? I was looking around, seeing all of this really bad living conditions. They didn't have any running water. They didn't have any heat. Now, this is up, you know, on the latitude Quebec, Canada area. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very cold, eight months out of the year. They didn't have proper clothing. They didn't have shoes. They didn't have showers. You know, they were all moldy and black and they couldn't use the showers. And so once a week they were using, you know, a handful of water out of the well that you wind up in a bucket kind of a thing for 150 kids. No uh, plumbing that worked on the inside of the building for over 15 years. And so 150 kids and all the staff are all using uh, multi-hole outhouses about 200 yards away from the dormitories. It was a rough situation. So our our first impression was humanitarian crisis. And we were right, but we were short-sighted. We didn't understand the full picture. The full picture was, if that's not bad enough, now they're going to be on the street by themselves. And if that's not bad enough, then somebody's going to offer them false opportunities you know, uh, a young lady, uh, you're so beautiful. Have you ever considered a career in modeling? Mm. Why don't you just get, yep. in, get in the van there you go. and we'll help you develop a portfolio in Europe. You might even be able to go to the United States and become a model. Why don't you just get in the van? Um, or a young man, boy, your arms are so strong. Your hands look strong. You've been working in the field. You know, we can teach you how to, because you're smart. We can teach you how to be a leader of construction workers. We can teach you how to be a general contractor. Why don't you get in the van? We'll introduce you to the people that can take you to Europe and help you to start a career in contracting. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of things, there's a thousand different variations of that story. But this manipulation, sometimes just kidnapping. We, We got a report just this last week of orphanage directors. I can't tell you the location, but um, orphanage directors who are directly soliciting 
men to come to the orphanage to be serviced by children who were locked up behind closed doors at an orphanage at a state-run facility. And we're investigating that right now. I'm leaving in April with a human trafficking team. Oh, my goodness. Um, So this kind of stuff really began to press on us that these kids are being in the most vulnerable state that any human could be. Mm -hmm. They're being exploited by these vile human beings. Mm -hmm. And so we backed up our whole ministry perspective and said, okay, this isn't just shoeboxes and Christmas presents, you know, right. and bringing them bananas every once in a while. Right. Th- th- this has, to, we're not just building toilets anymore. Now, now we have to support these kids for their whole life. And so we kind of scrapped the program and retooled the whole thing and built what we called at the time bridge to life homes. Uh, and what that meant was we continue to support the kids while they're in crisis, build relationships with them. But then we begin to build brick and mortar homes and train and recruit families, Christian families who have an adoptive spirit, who would take permanent guardianship or adopt these children full-time, stabilize them in a home environment and help them to understand who God is and what family love as designed by God is all about. And then once they're stable and they're integrated into a healthy family, then we provide higher level education, trade school degrees for those for almost everybody, um, and then for those that are able to a university-level degree. And that's that's our program, intermingled in all of that, and a large part of the healing process to get these kids away from abuse and neglect. And and now, as of five years ago, the war in Ukraine with, with Russia, mm-hmm. um, these kids in that zone, in, in the war zone, have been living under artillery fire and mortar fire and bullets and landmines and everything, tanks rumbling through their streets for five years, they're shell-shocked. They, they have PTSD to a very, very high level. Mm-hmm. And so we take those children away from those traumatic environments and, and take them to our youth camp in, in Western Ukraine. And they're able to spend some time kind of de- debriefing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they spend time with Christian social workers who help them to identify some you know, crisis points. And then we stay with those kids. In other words, we follow up with them because we know where they come from. And we follow up with them and try to allow the churches to continue doing that ministry for those kids. And so it's a comprehensive whole life mm-hmm. ministry for those kids. Really gets personal for you, doesn't it? Wow. It does for me. you start it's, putting faces to the ministry. It does. And we, you know, we know that, of course, this last year, there were over 700 kids that came through our youth camp. So I obviously don't know the names of all of those children, but the kids that live in our homes, I, I personally pick them up off the curb. Mm-hmm. You know, I know their life stories. I know the ones that were eating out of dumpsters. I know the ones that were beaten that have big scars on their face because a man threw a, you know, a, a big serving spoon and, and cut this little girl across her face. I know these kids that were starved half to death. I know the boy that was chained to a radiator by his grandfather mm-hmm. and starved almost to death. I know these children personally, and God's allowed us to watch them go from this quivering, terrified you know, creature and blossom into these beautiful giving ministers. And now these children that I just mentioned, every one of those children, I know their names, they're all serving in our ministry groups, serving other orphans. Two of them uh, have dedicated their lives to become a uh, social lawyer, Mm -hmm. Uh, an advocate for the rights of children, and the other one wants to be a social psychologist for traumatized Mm -hmm. children, just to give an example out of one of our homes. And so, God's 
turning the tables on this whole thing. And, um, and at this stage of our ministry has given us brand new opportunities with the office of the president inviting us to build nationwide systems uh, of not only relief, but opportunity uh, for these kids on a nationwide uh, basis. And so a lot of good things going on. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. I'm just sitting here thinking he's he's been in our back door this whole time. I know. I make a neighbor just down the street. I know. <laughs> wow. I am just blown away. It was just a coincidence that Tina was on Facebook that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. I have I have another question for okay. you, Sean. Sure. Sorry. But you know, because um a lot of times here in the US we tend to get siloed. And we only look at what's happening in the U.S. and we don't look at what's happening in the rest of the world. Can you give us a little bit of the history of the area just to kind of put it in perspective for people here? Sure. And, and, you know, when, when I was in the military, I didn't even realize who the perceived enemy was. You know, we called them the Russians, you know, who's the, who's the bad guys? Who are we running away from? Who's chasing us right now? Who are we watching and taking pictures of, you know, (laughs) who are the special forces going to track their movements? You know, the enemy was Russia, but in, in actuality, as a matter of fact, when, when I go overseas, people say, um, you know, how was, how, how was everything in Russia? Well, I, I haven't been to Russia in a very long time. I, I, I've been going to Ukraine for a lot, but everybody in their minds associates the entire region with, with Russia. With Russia. Yes. But in actuality, it was the Soviet Union um, starting way back in 1912 with the Bolshevik Revolution, and then communism came in, and the Soviet Empire was developed, and they took ownership and oppression over multiple independent nations. That's what most people don't realize. Uh, A lot of people still frame Ukraine as what part of Russia is Ukraine. It's never been a part of Russia. Mm -hmm. Ukraine and Kiev existed for hundreds of years before Moscow was ever a thing. Um, and but so Russia's trying to do that now. They're trying to, well, the leadership in, in Russia right now, not the people, the people of Russia are beautiful and hospitable, just like they are in Ukraine. It's a culture that I absolutely love, a language that I love. Um, but the leadership uh, of, of Russia right now, and I don't want to get political, but mm-hmm. the, the guy's just crazy. Um, and he's got an empirical kind of an ideologue mentality in his Uh, His statement was, just to give you a quote, uh, some context about how he feels about it. He said the one of the worst days in history was the fall of the Soviet Union, if you can imagine that. So he was not happy about the fall of the Soviet Union. So that's that's who we're we're dealing with. Independent nations of the former Soviet Union, primarily Russian speaking because of the influence of uh, the Soviet Empire for almost a hundred years. However, they all have their own cultures, their own languages. Uh, the national language of Ukraine is Ukrainian. Um, when I went to the field to live there, um, I learned and studied Russian because everybody speaks Russian, and it was the language of the region. So, exam- for example, when when I went to uh, Kazakhstan and to Kyrgyzstan, uh, to Russia a number of years ago, all of those are Russian-speaking countries. Uh, and so I can speak freely and nobody looks down their nose at me, even when I'm in Western Ukraine and everybody speaks beautiful, pure and clean Ukrainian. I will speak Russian to them. They will speak Ukrainian politely <laughs> back to me. And we understand everything that's going on, but there's no, 
you know, there's no uh, scorn because I'm speaking, mm, you know, Russian. speaking Russian language. It's it's just the leadership. But that's kind of the environment in in that theater right now in mm-hmm. that arena uh, is this old <clears throat> Soviet mentality that's being led by the mm-hmm. by the Russians right now. So a lot of tension, a lot of oppression for the first time since 1992 when the Soviet Union broke apart there is persecution of pastors churches and believers in Ukraine again but only behind the front lines where the war is being waged by Russia Russian operatives are actually persecuting the church in Ukraine right now uh, but Ukrainians have complete liberty and freedom with their religion in unoccupied areas of the country. So wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for explaining all that. Yeah. I yeah. think it's beneficial and helpful. Sure. So if people want to donate to the cause, what can they do? Well, we have a really nice uh, website. Uh, it it needs some work, but my wife uh, put it together, did a really good job. And um, they can go to uh, mission eight two three dot com and uh you can select from a drop down menu of a multiple uh, projects that we're involved in um all of which i've i've mentioned here tonight whether it's uh, human trafficking prevention and relief or uh, the youth camps which is a really really big part of uh our ministry sponsorship for children or you know repairs at the youth camp. Uh, our family homes is the core of our ministry. That's where we uh, see permanent change uh, coming into the lives of these children is, is in our family homes. So you can select from a, a drop-down menu uh, and learn a lot more about our, you know, our, our, our bios are there. You can learn our story and, and see our team there. It's an all-Ukrainian national team on the ground in Ukraine. There are no Westerners or Americans that are working full-time there, only visitors. We'll take about 100 um, Americans to the field uh, every year to go and serve in our youth camp as camp counselors. But we also bring in teams from France and from Germany, from Moldova, from Canada, from other places in the States. And so we had eight camps last year with 700 kids and quite a few foreign wow. team members coming in. And so... but. Visit, uh, you can find us on Facebook as well uh, at Mission 823, and then on Twitter and Instagram at Mission 823 Inc. That's I-N-C. And, um, and, and of course, the website at Mission823.com. Sean, thank you so much for coming. Yes, really. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. May May I just give Please. one more, one more, one more piece of information? A lot of people ask me, where does the 823 come from yeah. um and if you look on the front of the brochure there's a verse on on the bottom it comes from psalms chapter 82 and verse number three and i include verse four as well where it says defend the poor and the fatherless do justice to the afflicted and needy and when we were focusing all of our energy on this ministry and knew that we were going to have to launch out on our own to create a brand new 501c3 and we are a nonprofit organization in the state of Florida and recognized at the federal level at a as a 501c3 so your donations are all tax deductible um, but when we realized we needed to do that God just pressed this verse into my into my heart and so that's where the name comes from our mission our life work is rescuing children and introducing them to father God giving them permanent and eternal families mm-hmm. and 
doing justice for children who have no voice, the forgotten children of Eastern Europe. And, uh, and so that's what Mission 823 is all about. Don't look up Psalms 823 because… <laughs> 82, three. Yeah, you won't find it. Uh, so it's Psalms 82, verse 3 and 4. Wonderful. Wow, what a blessing. Oh, man. I mean, how can you, you can't listen to this and, and not be moved. Mm-hmm. I can picture those kids. Come wow. on over and do a podcast from the field. We want to. Don't you threaten me, buddy. I'll, <laughs> I'll well, take you up on it. It's fun. It's, I, I, you mentioned Ukraine or, or Tina told me about it. You had missions in Ukraine and I looked it up and Ukraine is not one of our countries that listen. Oh, well, I tell you what, um, you're going to be listened to very, very shortly because I'm going to do my shout outs and recommend that everybody in the world starts to listen to your podcast. And half of my friend list on Facebook is in Ukraine. So, okay. Wonderful. Look for Hallelujah. Number 94. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. That'll be exciting. So I would love nothing more than to load up and go to the Ukraine and do a podcast there Amen. live. Amen. Yeah. And if you've got a, um, like a, a poster or a brochure or a business card or something, I'll do a flat Stanley, take your, your business card and take selfies yeah, in Ukraine. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, we'll load you up, Sean. There There's no go. doubt about it. Very good. We've Is got business cards. One? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's current. That one's current. Okay. Very good. Hey, give them the whole box. <laughs> hey, just give them one card? No kidding. Well, it's all we easier will. right now. Yeah. Not budget cuts around here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was session 188. Yes, it was. Sean, thank you again. Yes, really. I am wow. really just touched. Thanks for the invitation. It's been a blessing getting to know you guys. A I bit really more, and I hope we can hang out again. It's I just really, the beginning of our relationship. It really is. Friends. Yeah, just the beginning. <laughs> just the fact that you've been local the whole time. It's just not coincidence. <laughs> yeah, it really. That was. we can help each other, and I pray um, that the Lord supplies a way for us to go. Yeah, I, I would like nothing too. more than to sit with those kids. Yeah. And minister to them. And uh, well, I, let me I list just, the opportunities. And by the way, if, you, if you're listening and you're interested in short term mission, we need as much help as possible as camp counselors and as other ministers and educators. I'm um, taking a trip in April with uh, a team of human trafficking experts. Uh, on that team will also be businessmen and entrepreneurs who will be teaching the entrepreneur's mindset. And then we'll be having a women's conference. And so if you're involved in women's ministry or women's speaking, um, we're looking for some help there. Then June, July, and August will be in Western Ukraine uh, near the Carpathian Mountains. And we need camp counselors to come with us. The church at South Lake, Pastor Brian Hammond, and uh, his team are going to be with us in June. We'll have a team from Houston, Texas in July and a Boston team in August. And all those folks in all interspersed in between there will be teams from France, from Germany, from Moldova, from Canada that are all coming back again. And then in September, we're doing our first ever multi-village arts festival. So artists of all different disciplines, whether it's music or physical media, painting, drawing, spoken word, any kind of an art uh, type of, uh, of display, we're taking those folks with us to do ministry outreach in the villages in Ukraine in September. So reach out to us at mission823.com. My email address is sean, S-H-A-W-N, at mission823.com. You can email me there and I'll get you all the details that you need. If you have any questions, feel free to visit us on the website, email us, call us, and uh, we'll be glad to answer any questions you may have. Excellent. Okay. 
Well, Fritz, what do you think? <laughs> I think I, I wish some more people would have been on tonight. That's for sure. But it's on YouTube. It'll be on the website, uh, GodStoriesRadio.com. It'll be on Spotify. It'll be on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher. Lots of ways that you can listen tonight to uh, to Sean and Mission 823. And uh, I encourage you to get involved. If God tugged at your heart tonight as he did mine, uh, uh, I encourage you to get involved. And you can uh, you can visit them at Mission823.com. And that was Sean at Mission823.com. Yes, sir. All right. You can like them on Facebook, Instagram, and they probably like the Facebook likes like we do. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We could do their shout outs for them. <laughs> this week on Mission 823, they got two. Well, but we, anyway, we just love you guys and we appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for, uh, that was an hour, believe it or not. I'm long-winded. <laughs> not at all, man. I, I'm riveted. I'll tell you what, I could have gone, <laughs> go half the night listening to you. It's awesome. You're going to be a regular, I can tell, when you're in town. <laughs> well, my wife lives here in Claremont, and I visit occasionally. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have room and board there. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, fantastic, guys. Thanks uh, for tuning in. You can also get a hold of us at GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. You know, like us on Facebook as well. Uh, Instagram, we, we have one, but uh, I don't look at it very much. I don't either. But you can tweet us. Yeah, you can tweet us, as Mikey says, <laughs> on the Twitter. Uh, and... Uh, Check out uh, mission823.com for more information. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us for uh, session 188. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And And she's she's Tina. Tina. I'm sorry, and I'm Tina. (laughs) God bless. God bless. God bless. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touch down in the cold black top Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah 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 Step out on a busy street See a girl in our eyes meet Does her best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie Too ashamed to tell his wife He's out of work, he's buying time All those people going somewhere Why have I never Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity Give me your arms for the broken hearted The ones that are far beyond my reach Give me your heart for the ones forgotten Give me your eyes so I can see Yeah Yeah Yeah